0: I am Gene Harmon, and you are listening to the Inheriting Heritage podcast. Freeman Tilden was the father of modern interpretation. This episode will cover his sixth principle of interpretation. If you missed an overview of the other principles, please go back and listen to episode three. Check out episodes four through nine for his first five principles. Tilden's sixth, sixth principle states, quote, Interpretation addressed to children, say up to the age of 12, should not be a dilution of the presentation to adults, but should follow a fundamentally different approach. To be at its best, it will require a separate program." End quote. While this may seem hard, it's actually easier. Children are they're, they have more imagination. Uh, they can envision things better. They can picture things better. Uh, they're easier to describe and create pictures in their minds. And they learn like sponges. Adults, well, we're more set in our ways. We have these longstanding opinions and beliefs. And sometimes talking to them is like chicking, chipping away at a rock wall with a with a hammer and chisel. Not to say that, that the latter, you know, with adults is uh, pointless because we can make, you know, connections with them. But children are actually easier, a lot easier to do. A lot of interpreters are kind of, they look at a pres- having to do presentations with children and it, It kind of uh, very daunting to them, uh, but it's actually easier. And if you think about it this way, you've got to be able to reach children. If you can't reach uh, the children, then it's gonna be very difficult for you to reach adults. That may sound contradictory, but you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. Think of every interaction with kids being preceded by them running out of their house yelling i'm going on an adventure like bilbo baggins from the hobbit make it an adventure make it exciting for them their kids are more inquisitive Uh, they ask questions easier Uh, adults are more afraid to ask questions in fear of uh, sounding dumb to to other adults we uh, seem to as we get older we seem to gain these different inhibitions and interacting you know, with the public we, you know, even in, in high school sometimes i would be afraid to raise my hand to ask a question because well, yeah, the students will think i'm dumb uh, they'll laugh at me such and such <clears throat> and we carry that on into adulthood where we go to different places uh, sometimes sometimes even work you're sitting in a work meeting and you don't want to ask a question because nobody else has asked the question well if i ask the question it's going to sound dumb because Obviously, everybody else knows the answer because they're not asking. Kids are don't have that inhibition. If something pops in their mind and they want to know, ninety percent of the time that kid's going to ask, which is fine. It's just yeah, you know, it's they raise more questions. Um, they will make you not to, not just to talk in circles, but will get you to answer more in depth. You'll be answering a lot more questions than you expect uh, within your program. Which is fine. also uh, adults. Also, they. You say you're talking about a certain item, a certain piece of equipment. Uh, adults may assume about a possible use. Kids will ask you, know, "What the heck is that used for?" And yet don't make it seem like instruction. They're there either visiting with their family or they're there on a you know, field trip from school. Uh, e- either way, they're they're out of the classroom. They're away from school. They don't want it to seem it shouldn't come across as classroom instruction and remember also as Tilden says interpretation is not instruction but provocation make the kids think get them interested and excited about what you're talking about and the questions are going to flow I heard a story several years ago of um, an interpreter who was doing a program on different animal sounds. of course you went through uh, you know, what sound do birds make? What sound does a dog make? What sound does a cat make? Uh, a cow? You know, a bear? And then he says, what does a fox say? Or a, a, a kid asks you, what does a fox say? Well, the interpreter went into this long descriptive thing about different sounds that foxes make. Totally missed the fact that that's part of a song that the kids were really into. Uh, even my youngest here at this point he kind of likes that song, but he he totally missed that aspect and totally missed that chance to connect with those kids even better. You've got to stay abreast of current pop culture for reasons like that. The kids will throw things at you with, with uh, uh, you know, the Marvels, the Avengers, and uh, another interpreter at a, a site in um, a nature site got into a discussion with a, with a school group about the adventures and different characters and the Marvels. And and what the conversation was centered around was uh, poison or venom with snakes or bugs. And the kids were identifying with that using Marvel and Avenger characters. And the interpreter was well on well that herself and she was able to help them make that connection. Uh, you also got to look at the fact that kids look at our our world, natural, cultural, or historical, in a much different way than we do. As an example, uh, when me and my wife were first dating, uh, I took her on a day trip up to uh, the Smoky Mountains, and went on a uh, hiking trail. We got a, you know got to this point, uh, to this trailhead. I would say early afternoon, you yeah, not too long after lunch, and. uh it was to to a waterfall. She said, "Oh, well, we, we, let's let's hike out there and check it out." Well, this you know, I believe it was your know, fall, late summer, early fall, and uh, the so it starts getting dark. You know, I wouldn't say pretty early, but earlier than than you would get down and when you're not in the mountains. And I'm looking at the time. And I go, well, "Well, honey, we don't have time." And she looked at me. She goes, what do you mean we don't have time it's only two and a half miles out there two and a half miles back we can do that before the sun goes down so i was like okay well we can give it a shot anyway i was amazed we got out there with no problem and got we, we even spent close to 30 or 45 minutes or maybe even closer to an hour out there at the falls just enjoying them before we even hiked back and i remember being totally amazed about the time how short of a time it took us and then it kind of dawned on me later every other time I had done that hike it was with my kids and when they're walking along of course it's a slow pace they have slower legs but they also have shorter legs their eyes are closer to the ground they saw things that most adults really don't see it. They'd be stopping to ask what every bug they, that they crossed, came across was. Any new water crossing. There was water bugs. There were salamanders. There were little flowers beside the trail. Everything was a question, you know, what is this? What is that? And yes, I enjoyed that hike with Amy as well. Going up there and back in uh, what seemed like such a short amount of time. You know, the views, the uh, the beauty of the mountains all that but i wasn't i want to say deterred because that sounds kind of bad we weren't slowed down we didn't have our eyes at kids level noticing every little thing like like kids do and they really see a whole different world than what we are used to seeing and when you're talking uh stay away from complicated names and descriptions definitely don't use scientific names uh use more common names and and Throw in stories where that name came from. Um, and as far as viewing things from their level, I mean, this, this may sound a little odd, but seriously, before your program, if you have a chance, get down to their level. Kneel down on the ground, sit on the floor, look at the area, f- how they're going to be seeing it. Whether it's a landscape, it's a forest, a, you know, the needles on the floor, the little flowers, or... <clears throat> being able to see the underside of a cannon uh, something like that or what their view is to the display case understand where they are going to be and you can help them with their questions more so going, what what do they ask what do they see that they're asking that get down to their level and you'll be able to see where their viewpoint is also slow down whether you're walking or talking or you're just talking in an area slow down allow them to take things in i uh, use descriptive words not do, uh, not do dupl- not complicated uh they love words like uh, the biggest if uh, so you see the biggest tree in the area the the highest hill or the highest mountain in the park the prettiest flower prettiest bird uh, deadliest darkest brightest uh, they love adjectives and repetitive questions are fine in other words a lot of times you'll get one question from from one of the kids and then you may get the same question from another kid and the same question from another kid it's not necessarily that they're not listening to what has already been asked is they're looking for reassurance that they're remembering the answer correctly the repetition helps them learn the facts that they learn they usually well, you could say defend if it comes up later somebody goes, well, you know, this is you know, such and such. They go, well, no, uh, I was. T- I, I understand that this this is true. This fact is true. It, if you've heard me reference wolves before in any of my podcasts or, or know me personally, you know, they're my favorite animal. And I've done a lot of research on them. When our oldest daughter was little, she watched the animated Beauty and the Beast quite often. In the scene where the wolves are chasing Belle's father, Maurice, she would jump up and yell, they wouldn't do that while pointing at the TV. Evidently, she had been paying attention to all the conversations I had had about wolves, that she had overheard, the different things that I had said talking to people. Not only will it stick in their minds, but in the process, they will provoke other people to think when the subject comes up and they interject. Their own thoughts, their feelings, their opinions. And also make it fun. Uh throwing an art or a craft. Any involvement. Hands-on are great. Um, and make sure the sites connect with you, the activities connect with your site. I know a lot of um I've done a Civil War drill with with a group of kids. And we use wooden muskets, it, taking them through all of it, kind of you know, showing them movements and everything, but it connected with them more having that wooden musket in their hand and moving it around like I was with the with the rifle that I had it connected a lot more with them and made it more personal to them because they kind of got a very very yes very small taste of of how a soldier marched in that time frame but it was still a taste it was enough for them to get excited about to go home about to get interested about to hopefully look more into when they got when they got home. One historic site uh, used cards, which were handed out to kids with basic info on a person. I believe it was part of their uh, junior ranger program. It kind of like sca- scavenger hunt style. They would find out more and more about their person uh, throughout their visit. And then at the end, it was revealed to them whether they lived or died. Yes, that sounds kind of heavy. <laughs> but it gets them into it 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 got them to identify with their particular person and it was also personal because with that connection they, they made a personal connection with that individual in this case with a soldier and their fate was tied into how they felt so yes it, it hit home um and it was supposed to but it was done very, very well. Now, kids are the future of our world, including future generations caring for our natural, cultural, and historical resources. Nurture their interest. Plant the seeds of inquisitiveness, Of encourage the passion, encourage them to care. Um, answer that question for them. Why should they care? So what? Answer that for them. Share observations and thoughts on a subject at hand. Something you're talking about, a tree, a a battlefield, a landscape, uh, something that's in a a case in the museum. This will encourage them to form their own thoughts and create a a path through which to make a connection to the site, as well as to you, the interpreter. And it's very important, even more so than with adults. Uh, With kids, you have to listen, listen, and listen. Listen to what the kids are saying. Even if it's a conversation in the background, kind of pick up, be aware of everything that's being said. because those two kids in the back may be discussing something very relevant, but they just don't want to speak up. Address that and speak to them and answer the questions. Also listen to everything else. What interests them about the site or what you have said? Focus on that to encourage their interest any way possible. Every question, is an opportunity to create a deeper connection to the resource. Now from the very start with every group, include everyone from the beginning. Make sure all the kids feel welcome and a part of the experience. Ensure that you interact with with all of them in, in some way, make that eye contact, make the, you know, the smile, the, let them know that you see them. And uh, when you ask questions, address it to everybody and answer questions, every question that is asked of you. And I've also found it very helpful, say, if you're not with a a particular group, you're not doing this for a group, you're doing roving interpretation and you're randomly running into guests at your site. If a kid, if a child has asked you a question, don't address the answer to the parents or the older person that's with them. Address the answer to them, make eye contact with them. And in some cases, kneel down go down to one knee, go down to two knees, depending on the height of the child to speak to them. That gets you, I'm not going to say down to their level because their questions are just as important as an adult, but it puts you at their level they don't feel like you're talking down to them that makes you seem more like an equal to them when you're answering their question that's very important to enhance their own experience and to make them feel important and also let experiences happen you can discuss details later things happen unexpectedly uh nature setting or some other type of revelation so you're walking down a trail with with a group of kids uh, with a group, and and you, you have in your mindset you're going to talk about this next tree, you're going to talk about some story that has to go with maybe some uh, foundation ruins or up in the uh, uh, hidden up in the ivy up ahead, and suddenly, one kid stops and goes, "What is this?" And you turn around, and he's looking at some little beetle that's carrying something or moving something, something small, and he's engrossed by it, or she's engrossed. All the kids get interested in it don't interrupt that let that experience happen you can go back to what you were doing or take that experience and add to it sometimes even you'll even realize i need to take this a whole different route and do that on the fly and it's again it takes practice but you can do it the more you do it the more you get comfortable with it the more you realize you don't have to restrict yourself to a certain, I hate to use the word script, but to a certain um, order of things in your presentation or your or your tour or, or your conversation. Allow it to flow like a conversation. Experiences like that, with, especially with kids, with things that happen on the fly, uh, a beetle or a deer appears, or or a question about the, a landscape, or something in a museum case that's really gotten a kid's interest. Let those powerful experiences happen, because it makes a more powerful and meaning con- meaningful connection for that kid or group of kids to what you yourself, as the interpreter, are talking about. And always show your own passion and excitement for the subject. Kids are more likely to listen and get involved when you're all excited about it. When, when they can tell that it's not fake, that you're not just acting, that you really have a passion and excitement and an interest in what you yourself are talking about. They'll feed off that. They'll feel your passion and get them hungry to know more about what you're talking about and therefore provoke more thought and provoke more questions from them. Now, Tilden states not to take a program designed for adults and water it down for kids, but to create a completely different program. He is also saying do not take what works for adults and apply it to children. Instead, I think it best if we take our interactions with kids, what we learn from that what we take away ourselves as interpreters from interactions and tours with children, kids, school groups, use that same energetic passion and apply it to adult interactions. So no, don't take what works for adults and use it in talking to kids. But I guarantee if you take what works for kids and turn it around, and use that in your adult interactions, it will improve those dramatically because we as adults all have that inner child. Amy will verify that for me. But use your inner child to connect with the kids visiting your site. Connect with the kids and apply what you learn in the process to all other interpretive interactions. Inheriting Heritage provides interpretive consulting, interpretive training, and heritage interpretive programs. The programs are done in more of an interactive style instead of straight dissemination of information. Consulting ranges from fine-tuning existing programs to development of new ones. It is not era or subject specific, but geared toward the process of interpretation and how it can best be utilized at your site to engage guests. Interpretive training is based on Freeman Tilden's founding principles of interpretation and styled after the methods of the National Association for Interpretation. I have also been approached by members of the sales and marketing fields who are interested in adapting my training to improve the effectiveness of their respective staff. Qualified as a certified interpretive guide with the National Association for Interpretation, Inheriting Heritage LLC has developed and implemented interpretive programs at state parks national parks historic sites and museums before i go i would like to send a huge shout out and thank you to my wife amy she has been a constant source of encouragement pushing me to chase my dreams and provided invaluable input this podcast and my interpretive endeavors would not be possible without her support thank you for listening and i hope you will listen next time to the inheriting heritage podcast this podcast was written and produced by me, Gene Harmon, manager of Inheriting Heritage, LLC. The music playing in the background is Wild Dew by Audio Result. The opening and closing music is Cantina Rag by Jackson F. Smith. If you have any questions or want to know more, please visit my website at inheritingheritage.com. Whether it is the natural world, our cultural world, or our historic past, it is a heritage which belongs to all of us, a heritage we have inherited together.